0: We're back in Kenya for today's episode. We're telling the story of this woman.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Mary-Lise Biubwa. I am a human rights defender, activist, and black, queer, radical, angry, intersectional feminist based in Kenya.
0: Mary-Lise is the last of six children. As a child, her family moved around a lot.
1: There's a lot of uh, stages to my growth. I was born in a city called Mombasa in Kenya, raised in partly Nairobi, Mombasa and in bits and parts in parts and bits uh in my hometown which is Taita.
0: As you might suspect from her compelling introduction, she was a very expressive child.
1: I remember until when I was around nine, ten years old, thereabout, I was a very expressive young girl. I was this kind of girl who was curious, who likes to speak. I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer and uh, I guess you can attribute that to the fact that I really loved speaking and I really loved perspectives about different issues. And for me, that was all that I needed to become a lawyer uh, being younger.
0: When my release turned 10, things took a turn for the worst.
1: I couldn't speak much. And um, again, now I also know the reason I couldn't speak is because even when that incident happened, and I told my mom about it, and my mom told my dad, and the resolve was for the family to talk amicably because it was a family member who, you know, abused me. No. Um, and um, for the family to talk and resolve it because we don't want the community to look, to look at us and, 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 you know, tarnish our name and all that good stuff. And...
0: Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin and I like girls. This is a podcast about African women and the different experiences life shows us for being women. In this episode, we follow the story of Mary Lise, a queer activist from Kenya. Trigger warning this episode contains discussions of sexual violence and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. When she was 10, Mary Lise was raped by a relative. And as you heard in her introduction, her family decided to stay quiet about it. Five years after that horrible experience, it happened again.
1: Then when I was 15, it happened again with uh, my brother-in-law, a man who is married to my sister till death. It kind of compounded a lot of things, but also I feel like that at at, at 15 is when I began to understand that... uh, if, if there is one thing I'm born to do in this world, then I don't know if that's the reason I'm born because I don't understand how a human being can be born to go through all that so that they can become whatever it is they want to become.
0: Mary Lee said she reported to her sister and mom, but not only did they believe her brother-in-law when he said she threw herself at him, they blamed her for the action of her perpetrator. That's not all. She was made to apologise to him.
1: Yeah, and and I, I did apologize to him, and I think those are some of the things. I don't feel bad about it, but if I could change the hand of time, I'd go back in time and, you know, show him the middle finger before leaving the room, you know? But I didn't know any better again, and so...
0: As you can imagine, all of it affected her. She withdrew to herself and stopped talking.
1: Like, with all these traumas, and then with without without realising that's what I was doing I became so closed, and I felt like I couldn't trust anybody and, and, and for me then it was, I knew I couldn't trust anyone because I, I felt betrayed. Uh, the first time I think the most hurtful part was the fact that, you know, my dad really you know bashed my mom and then in the process he bashed me and he said right. even if you were in your house why were you putting on shorts and all that kind of stuff when and, and he kept on telling my mom if your kids keep on wearing shorts and small clothes bad things keep happening to them and I was hearing all those things and my heart was breaking. I wasn't understanding why. But I, I was the c- kind of child who... I'm a last born in a family of six kids. And so I was pretty close to my dad. And in that moment, I, I literally lived through a moment of just seeing uh, my dad betraying me. And that really broke my heart.
0: Being sexually abused was not the only thing release really had to deal with. There was something else.
1: Being a last born, I also happened to be the, the the child who suffered the most when my mom and my dad had a lot of domestic uh, conflicts and issues. At some point, my dad refused uh, to take me to school. Actually, not at some point. Immediately, I was done with primary school. My dad kind of withdrew from educating me, going to high school. And uh, when I cleared primary school, I had to stay at home one year before joining Form 1. And then when I joined Form 1, I had to stay home again one year before joining Form 2.
0: She continued to miss classes throughout her secondary education as well.
1: And all this was my mom and my dad going back and forth. And my dad constantly saying, he doesn't want to take me to school or things like that and at some point he said I was not his child and to that moment I remember I sat with him and I confronted him I told him if I'm not your child could you please just direct me to where my dad is I could care less if he accepts me at least I would know um, I I would finally put it to rest that you're not my dad and I would stop being here expecting stuff and when I told my dad this he he didn't respond and I remember.
0: mary was hurt She tried all the available tricks up her sleeves to get her father to re-enroll her in school. But she was met with no response. So, one random day in 2004, tired of it all, she ran away from home. After the break, we find out what triggered her to go back home.
2: I remember a few years back when I couldn't save money to save my life. I was so bad with money that whenever my salary dropped, I would either run to my favorite restaurant or other new outfits off Instagram. And by the second week of the month, I would be so broke. This habit made everyone around me worried. My parents, my friends, even my boyfriend used to say, Babe, you need to start saving. Then one day, my colleague introduced me to PiggyVest and I absolutely fell in love with their PiggyBank future. What I love the most about PiggyBank is that it's flexible because it allows me to save automatically, whether that be daily, weekly, or monthly. By helping me save consistently, PiggyBank has changed my relationship with money and my life is so, so much better for it. Everyone can save with PiggyVest today. Download the app from Google Play or Apple Store to register and start saving. Welcome back. So,
0: Merrily's ran away from home.
1: I remember running away from home for six months. And even in those six months, nobody looked for me, not my mom, not my dad. Nobody made a report at the police whether I was missing or not. And I remember up to the time I had to come back home is because... Um, When I left home, I I switched off the phone that I had. I disconnected my line. And one random day, I just put my line on almost six months later. And I put my line back on. And I got a message, which was sent like a couple of days before that my maternal grandma had passed.
0: She was staying with an acquaintance the entire time. And guess what, y'all? She said her family never looked for her. And when she returned back home, after the news about her grandmother, she was accused of eloping with a man.
1: And then when I came back, I was sat down by my siblings and my mom, and I was lectured uh, a whole lot. And then I was asked, what do you want? And all that. And I told them I want to go back to school, but I want to go to a boarding school. Because I remember in Form 1, the reason I ended up going to a day school was because my dad was refusing to take me to school.
0: For context, because I understand that the timelines are a bit wonky. At the time Mary Lee's ran away from home. She had already missed two school years. Those she went to primary school with were her seniors in the academic year. Uh, I
1: don't know. I don't know why people don't speak so much about how much trauma that brings to someone knowing you had you had people who you were together in the same class and then for some interesting reason you're left behind but that somehow is received by the society as though uh, you were not good enough that's why you stayed behind and all that kind of stuff. And so just dealing with that and so
0: She stayed at home till the end of that school year because her father refused to take responsibility for her education. In 2007, her siblings eventually came in to help out and sent her to a boarding school of her choice. boarding school in Mombasa served as a means of escaping the reality of her life at home. She stayed with her cousins from 2007 to 2009 while attending school. But it wasn't all roses for Mary Lee's. She was sick a lot in school and every time she was sent home for proper care. Her cousins would attribute it to promiscuity
1: no I had really painful cramps I really had stomach problems that were so bad I couldn't even sit in class still and you know participate in classwork and all that and every time I'd I'd be taken home I had a a series of misdiagnosis uh, incidents in different hospitals in Kenya and treating the wrong conditions for a long time and so like All those things were happening all at the same time.
0: It turns out, Marylise was dealing with symptoms of PCOS and endometriosis at the time. But she didn't know it. Both are medical conditions that affect a woman's ovaries and uterus. I'll tell you more about this bit as the story progresses. This is a lot to take in at once. So I'm going to take a step back and recap everything Marylise had to deal with up to this point. So, she was sexually abused when she was 10 and 15 years old and her family didn't do much to protect her. She was also abandoned by her father, who refused to send her to school on many occasions. She had to deal with the painful symptoms of PCOS and endometriosis. And finally, she had nobody to talk to about the things that bothered her. Well, at least not until after high school in 2010, when she opened up to a friend
1: about something else. He's the first person I ever, told i wouldn't consider it coming out because even when i was telling him i remember i told him um i think i like girls i'm not sure about that because again the feeling of should i have had something with a girl for me to know whether i like girls or not but for me it was pretty much just coming from a point of i think i like girls and it is wrong if i'm gonna be here continuing to make you look like you're my boyfriend and uh it's not the case
0: okay (laughs) okay i should explain this bit Marylise had this guy friend that she pretended was her boyfriend for a while. They both agreed to it. She wasn't attracted to men, and she felt like she needed to pretend to like men to get people not to be suspicious of her sexuality.
1: And it's funny because the time I was telling him this, I had just finished high school. But my whole life in high school, I dealt with projected sexuality, where everyone in my school kept accusing me of being a lesbian. I was a tomboy growing up because I grew up with, I follow a brother, being a last born. So a lot of things that I did, I did with my brother. And so naturally, you you kind of become comfortable with what is your environment and everything. So I was really a tomboy growing up. And so in high school, everyone accused me of being a lesbian. Everyone. I was reported so many times. My mom came to school twice because of that. I was accused so many times. And every time I remember, even when I was taken before the disciplinary committee in the school, I would always ask, So, what if I'm a lesbian? Have I done anything wrong? Because maybe it is true I'm a lesbian. I wouldn't know that because I didn't know whether I was or not. And
0: at the time, she was being accused of lesbianism because she was a tomboy. But Mary was not struggling with her sexuality. It was in 2009, at the age of 18, just as she was graduating high school, that she dug deep and decided to be open with herself. Even then, she battled some internal struggles.
1: I was there, like, just wondering, but going through all these accusations, so up to the time I was telling this guy that I think I like girls, it was really from a point of am I, I was even questioning whether I'm giving in to people's accusations about my sexuality or I'm just being true and honest to myself you know. And so um, that happened and uh, in twenty eleven is when I started the journey of understanding my sexuality and just you know, just reading up and, and the more you read up, I feel like as a queer person in Africa, the more you read up, the more you feel guilty about yourself. The more you kinda you you, you have there is the thing called internalized homophobia. It's not because you hate yourself, it's because you, you've you've also be, you've also been a product of you know a product of patriarchy and part of patriarchy you're taught that being gay being lesbian being 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 sexually and i'm putting air quotes here sexually divergent is wrong and all that kind of stuff and even the term sexual divergence is absolutely wrong but that's what that's all you know that's all the teachings you know really
0: i get what marylis is saying homophobia is deeply ingrained in a lot of african societies such that queer kids and teenagers sometimes find themselves questioning if they are normal because they've been conditioned to think that being heterosexual is the only way to be.
1: And so like there's the part where I struggled because I'm reading all this up and I'm like, Am I am I am I am I normal? Am I wrong? Am I different? And even not coming to peace with the fact that being different is absolutely okay, struggling with what if I'm different, am I then going to be accepted in this society and all that. And that went on from 2011 to 2013. Marilise
0: battled with expressing her sexuality for about three years till she decided it was time to own it. I'll tell you more after the break.
2: Hi, my name is Tonya, ex 9 to and current bakery owner.
0: I was able to achieve my long life dream of owning a business, all thanks to the target savings feature on PiggyVest. I knew working for another person wouldn't bring me joy, so I started planning my exit. To own a business, I knew I needed capital, a location, equipment, and staff. So I created a personal target plan and started saving weekly. 12 months later, I am happy to say that I am the proud owner of Bell's Bakery. With PiggyVest, there's no dream too big for you to achieve. So please don't stop dreaming. Visit PiggyVest.com or download PiggyVest from Google Play or Apple Store and register to start using the target saving option today. Welcome back. In 2013, Marilise came out to herself. She knew she liked women and she was okay with that truth
1: and so like just acknowledging and honoring myself in a way where I tell myself constantly I do recognize the feelings that I have I do recognize the people that I like and much as I don't have to do anything about it the most I can do to myself is honoring those feelings
0: I asked Mary if her openness about her sexuality changed how she viewed the world and the people around her
1: I think for me, the biggest thing that, one of the biggest things that shifted, now I can comfortably say my family is very homophobic, but I think one of the things that shifted hugely was realizing I have two brothers. We are six, but I have two brothers. Uh, the bro- My brothers are the most homophobic p- people to walk on the face of the earth. And I'm saying this because after coming out to myself is when now you realize, because it's 2013 t v is having a lot more scenes uh with regards to you know queer people with regards to gay people, lesbians, bisexuals, and all that kind of stuff and so when you're watching t v randomly a, a gay scene can pop up right and and I've not come out to my family yet at this point I've just come out to myself. But I remember, like, in moments where I'd sit, I remember one time it was during December holidays, I think it was that 2013, and I was at my brother's place. And uh, a a topic came up. We were watching, it was, I I love football. My two brothers also love football. And I think we were watching a football match. Mm -hmm. And there was a story about a football player who is gay and all that. And then it kind of started a conversation about being gay. Mm -hmm. And my two brothers were like, if I go out anywhere and I meet a guy who is trying to hit on me, I would kill that man. Kill that man. Kill that man. You know?
0: Mary Lee's discovery of her family's homophobia did not stop her from becoming vocal about LGBTQI issues. She joined the human rights movement for kids and pretty much started fighting publicly against injustice.
1: And for me, children' rights were important because I felt like the society really thrives on telling children that they don't know any better, and adults can make decisions on their behalf and so, for me, it was bridging that gap where adults are known, are famous for making decisions that don't necessarily help in any way shape or form help the children and so for me it w- it was my way of shaping a society where Young girls especially know how to exercise the power of their voice, while they can speak.
0: Mary-Lise started doing TV appearances, and for a while, she made sure not to mention, despite her support for the queer community, that she's queer too. Until one day in 2016, when she granted an interview to an upcoming blog owned by her friend.
1: Story with me, I remember she asked, Mm. Mary-Lise, I see the way you do your work, you have a lot of passion in it. And I know passion is a beautiful thing. And I know most of the time people want to feature stories of people who are passionate about what they do. But I don't, want to, I don't want to feature the work you do because of your passion. I want you to tell me a story of why you are passionate. And for me, that was the first time someone literally came so close to, you know, knocking into the door of the things I had sown to myself that I'll not speak about. You know, and so for so for a moment I was conflicted. The friend I spoke to was called, is called Lovin. She now runs a whole communications mm-hmm. company by herself. And I remember I told Lovin, I don't know if I feel safe to speak about this. And she told me, we can have that interview. After we've done the interview, we will take as long as we need after I've written it until you're comfortable for it to be published. When you're ready, please let me know.
0: During the interview, Mary Lee spoke to Lovin about everything, being queer, the sexual violence she experienced as a child, and her complex relationship with her family.
1: And after I spoke to Lovin, I felt a sense of freedom in terms of, I had just spoken to one person who potentially will never publish this story and no one will ever get to know about it. But I felt, I felt really free. I felt like this is the moment where I I acknowledge that there is power in speaking about your experiences. Not that it changes anything, but it frees you from the guilt, it frees you from the pain of it all, it makes the situation we can't undo the situation but it makes it easier to deal with it becomes easier because while you speak you process emotions and the thing about complicated emotions is they become more complicated when you don't process them but speaking helps in processing those emotions and so just me coming to that realization that is one of the things that made me okay with just telling lovin lovin go ahead and publish it and for the first time I was okay with telling someone, publish the story. Don't, I didn't question whether where they'll post it matters. I just told her, when, when you post it and publish it in your WordPress site, let me know and I'll be happy to share it on my site. And I'm the one who shared it on my, on my Facebook even.
0: Marilis shared the blog post on Facebook and best believe her siblings and aunties saw that post. She said one auntie asked her about it and her sister's nosy friends sent her private messages to ask if the story was true. The conversation kind of lingered in the air for a bit until mary hit a rough patch in 2018.
1: Remember, there's this lady I was dating the first time I ever dated anyone. We met in 2017 and we were dating. And then in 2018, around, I think, early July or end June, the relationship was experiencing some rocky patches and we decided to part ways. And in that moment, I think... The depression of dealing with, you know, you, you're no longer with a person who genuinely and truly, I loved her, still love her so much. From a point of, she's one of the person that really highlighted the aspect of myself where not only have I known I'm a lesbian, but through that the affirming part of it where you're like, yes, truly, I know I like girls and all that kind of stuff.
0: The breakup with her girlfriend hit me really deep and she felt alone and heartbroken.
1: So I beat myself up. I remember when the relationship ended and the whole of July, I was so depressed. I was struggling. I remember the sister that I stayed with, my fourth-born sister, um, was pregnant then and I would, she would come home and she would expect me to cook and all that. Meanwhile, I'm so depressed. I'm dealing with so much. I remember I would cook and not eat and she wouldn't even ask anything. And at some point towards the end of July, early August, she was graduating because she was in school. She was she was working then and she was paying for her education and all that. And uh, um, she was graduating. And I remember my mom came around because my sister was graduating. My mom came towards the end of July and she found I was not doing okay. I was struggling. I was dealing with so much. Mm-hmm. And I remember I came out to my mom on first on first of August. Uh, ...on 1st of August 2018.
0: As expected, it didn't go well. Mary said her mother gaslit her.
1: And I remember when I came out and I told my mum... ...even this person that she had met as my friend... ...was not necessarily my friend, she was my girlfriend and everything. And my mom really gaslighted me. My mom told me I am being unfair... ...because she wants to be a grandma... ...and she wants me to bear children for for her... ...so that she can be a grandma... And my mom is already a grandma. She has, I think, uh, she has uh, eight, at the moment I think she has, because it's uh, three from my older sister, and then two, no, um, three again from my older brother, and then two from my older sister, that is eight, and then up to the time I was disowned my sister was pregnant so she as of now what I know because again since I was disowned I have been incomplete I've not communicated to my family since so I don't know much about anything apart from the fact that I know my sister was pregnant and I know she gave birth
0: her mom was heartbroken she tried to convince her that something was wrong with her for being gay and that she should go for deliverance or get therapy She says these options hurt her because none of them were offered to her when she was abused and she pointed it out to her mom. Her interactions with her mom from this point increased her distress and she was quickly approaching her breaking point.
1: After, after we had that conversation, of course she was not accepting. She said, I didn't give birth to a thing like this. Is this why you don't want to give me children? I should take you to therapy. I should take you to church to be prayed for. And in that conversation of the church, I told her, I don't even believe in God like that because I feel like you have used God so many times to be abusive. And I, I don't know whether you understand that or not. But for that reason, I don't associate with God like that.
0: One evening, after so many days of mental distress, mary started experiencing suicidal ideations. It's really triggering, so I'm going to skip the details. Later that week, while dealing with all of this, mary had a panic attack that served as a catalyst for a chain of events in her life. Her mentor introduced her to a therapist, who she talked to for a couple of hours. After a lengthy discussion about her life, This new person offered to take her home to resolve some of the issues Mary Lee's raised with her.
1: So we left, got into a cab, went home. And when we got home, two to the road, my sisters were home. My mom was home. My nieces and nephews were home. And so we, she sat them down and we started having conversation. And uh, she started off from asking my mom about me going through rape and everything. And My mom started with denying the whole story and she said, you know what, Um, these are not things you tell people who are strangers and everything.
0: Let me break it down to make things clearer. mary had a panic attack in public at a brainstorming session she was participating in. It was a session for one of the human rights projects she was working on at the time. Her panic attack scared her colleagues and mentor who had the session so much that they called in a therapist to speak to her. After hearing her story, this therapist felt it was important to visit her home and talk through some of the things mary Lee had told her. The
1: therapist intervened and told them, that's exactly the problem. The reason she can't speak to you people is because she knows she's supposed to speak, but she, she doesn't feel safe speaking to you people. And clearly, now I see why. And then she went ahead, my mom started, you know, blowing everything out of proportion and in the moment she started saying things like even the other day she came out to me and told me that she's a lesbian and in my house I don't accept things like that I never give birth to a thing like that all my children are proper and all that she can't be the one who is stressing me and all that kind of stuff and I was listening to all that conversation and I remember I started breaking down again and then, in the moment of breaking down, I left the house, went outside, and sat on the staircase because it was a flat apartment. And so I sat on the staircase. And when I sat there, one of my older siblings, my second-born sibling, because my first-born sibling is a sis- is a is a sister, and then my second-born is also a sister. Then the third-born is a is a brother. And so my second-born sibling came to me, and she started telling me don't sit out here and cry, you're shaming us, the family because people will start wondering why you're crying and all that kind of stuff.
0: Marylise pretty much got disowned after that incident. Her mother said she didn't want her in the house anymore. She picked up a couple of things like her phone and some books and left the house.
1: What was going on? I was ashamed of explaining what was going on. So that night, on 10th, I ended up sleeping in a hotel. With the money that I had, I booked a hotel room and I stayed in a hotel room. And on 11th, I also slept in a hotel room at night. And then on 12th, one of my friends invited me over to their place so that we can have a conversation about what is going on. And I told her everything that I... That was happening and after we were done she told me she has to leave because she's going to be at her sister's place so we left together.
0: Things became hard for Mary release when she left home. She didn't have anywhere to go to. Many of her friends were dealing with their own issues so nobody really paid as much attention to her.
1: I didn't have any place to go. I'd call up people and tell them I need help. Um, if you can, if you have some money, please help me with some money so that I can rent a place to stay in. Or if you have, if you can, let me stay at your place. And people were like, why can't you go to your place? And right now I'm tearing and it's crazy because I don't know. Yeah, that was, it was such an interesting moment within that time and I'd call people up and ask if they could loan me some money so that I could rent a place, but everyone would say they're broke and that's absolutely okay again uh people who are not okay i it's not really blaming myself but i wasn't okay with explaining everything that was going on i was just okay with saying right now i don't have a place to stay in and i would love if you have a place you can host me for just a couple of days as i figure things out
0: merrily started to tear up here and i'm going to be honest i did too she basically spent the night on the streets of Nairobi because she had no money and place to go. She spent two weeks sleeping on public roads and eating whatever she could find. Mirilis said she felt guilty and ashamed about her helplessness. She couldn't go back to her mentor with her problems because she felt like she had become a burden to people around her.
1: I felt like a burden. I felt like I was being a problem to people. and And, and so... Like, yeah, that's how I ended up staying on the streets for two, for two weeks. And I will tell you for a fact in those streets, and this is probably, and uh, many people have been asking, you hardly speak about the time you lived on the streets. You say you lived in the streets, but you don't talk about what life was like, but that was like the hardest time of my life. I think some of the biggest traumas I've ended up picking up that I'm dealing with until today came from me living in the streets because the kind of abuse you experience while you're living on the streets, the kind of sexual harassment that I went through while I was living on the streets, the kind of sexual abuse that I went through when I was living on the streets is something that sometimes I wonder if there's a way to recover from that. There's a way to heal entirely from that. I don't think there's a way.
0: One of her friends who lived in Germany at the time noticed from her Facebook post that she wasn't doing okay. So she reached out to her. It was this friend that provided her with some funds that she was able to use to secure an apartment.
1: Left with, I bought a very tiny mattress, like a very, very small mattress. And that was the mattress I ended up sleeping on for, I think, because twenty. Mm-hmm. 20- 18, I ended up sleeping on it for a year plus because I ended up getting someone bought me a mattress on my birthday of 2019.
0: mary managed to pick herself up after experiencing homelessness. She visited her sister's home briefly after settling in her new apartment to grab the rest of her things. It took a bit of going back and forth with her sister, but she got most of her things.
1: I think one of the most interesting things that happened with regards to that is... That is happening. The society has this way of saying it's your family they will come around, and it's weird because that's not the case. Most of the time, it's not the case, and coming around is always on people's terms where they'll be like, if you're around us, you have to turn it down, and you have to not be yourself, and all that. And for me, I wasn't ready to sign up for that, and so I've I've I've, I've been able to move into my own place. It, I moved in, I think, on twenty sixth of twenty sixth of August. 2018 and then I'm staying in my house I remember the time I had moved in I slept on the floor I slept on the mattress that the the tiny before I bought the mattress I slept on the floor like two days because I was looking for a mattress that is affordable and I wasn't finding any that mattress is so tiny I think it's the mattress you'd buy if you have pets and all that Mm -hmm.
0: let's take a quick break when we get back I'll tell you about how a group of women rallied around to help me release Hi, my name is Aisha Salaudin. You already know me, host and producer of I Like Girls. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about the podcast newsletter. I'd like you to join the I Like Girls community by subscribing to our newsletter. Every Tuesday at 12pm through the newsletter, we'll send out behind the scenes information on topics, guests, and recordings of all our episodes. (laughs) That means as a subscriber, you'll have first hand information about our episodes that others don't have access to. And that's not all. You'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. You will also be notified early about any of our activities, like the availability of merch, secret podcast events, and bonus episodes. So subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in the episode notes as you listen. It takes less than 30 seconds to subscribe. And I promise, we won't spam you. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with me as I tell this story. Even though Merrily's moved into this apartment, she didn't have much. She couldn't even afford to pay for power.
1: Where I stayed downstairs, there was a a, a, a gaming shop. And that's where I go sometimes to charge my phone to ask them if I could charge my phone. And uh, coincidentally, I was having, my phone was charged. I was still at the shop and then I was online and I I joined a Facebook thread where people are talking about sisterhood and starting a WhatsApp page where people would be supporting each other and figuring out ways where, you know, as young people, people can be able to, you know, start if it's businesses or it's career and they can be able to offer advice for those who are mm-hmm. in, you know, you know higher stages of their careers, they can be able to help each other and all that. I joined that group and when when the group, we started sharing about our stories and everything. And when people were sharing, initially I was very uncomfortable to share. Then I started sharing the story. And many people were shocked because these people follow me on social media and they didn't think that that was happening. So I told them about that. And, yeah, the way patriarchy likes to tell people, you know, women are enemies of their own, I don't think it's true. I am a strong believer of... If, if if you're going to experience, you know, being protected and feeling safe as a woman in this in this society, the people who can provide that is women, because men could never, men could never.
0: The women in this group were touched by her story, so they rallied around her to raise funds to buy her food and cooking utensils, which they brought to her house. One of them even offered to pay for her to get diagnosed by a psychiatrist. She said, She was diagnosed with a bunch of mental health disorders and placed on medication for a period of six months.
1: Health issues, but that is when I was diagnosed with uh, uh, depression, PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, social anxiety, just an array of all these mental health conditions that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out my way. And that time I was put on medication. So for like, I think for six months I was on medication And even the reason I ended up not continuing to use medication was because I was not financially capable because when this person who offered to pay me for my therapy offered the same year, her daughter was finishing primary school and was finishing primary school and was joining high school. And there was one who was joining university. So she kind of became overwhelmed financially. And so she gradually stopped, you know, providing that. And I, Mm I promised myself i will try my best to raise money for therapy, but buying medication became something I couldn't do because I went to therapy every week, and every week I needed to spend well over 100 USD buying medication, and I didn't have that kind of money. I wasn't working. I was too depressed to do anything in life. Mm -hmm. I was literally on autopilot with regards to depression and just physical ability to do anything. To
0: ease mary burden a bit, one of her friends, who has chosen to remain anonymous, took charge of her rent during this period so she could have a place to stay. She kind of just floated through life after that, taking on freelance gigs to make money, and of course, advocating for the rights of women and the LGBTQI community. Oh, remember when Mary-Lise was in boarding school and had frequent periods and stomach cramps? Fast forward to 2021, she took a couple of medical tests and... It turns out, like I mentioned before, that she was experiencing PCOS and endometriosis symptoms as a teenager.
2: Endometriosis means a condition resulting from the appearance of endometrial tissue outside the uterus and causing pelvic pain, especially associated with menstruation.
0: What about PCOS?
2: Polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, is the most common endocrine disorder in women of reproductive age. Do you want me to keep reading?
0: (laughs) No, thank you Siri. Since her diagnosis, Mireille says she has spent up to $3,000 on treatment and drugs. She has managed to stay on course thanks to some of her friends who helped raise an initial $1,000. She's currently raising money to get surgery for her medical conditions and for therapy. I've put the link to her fundraiser in the episode notes. If you're moved by her story, and I hope you really are, I'd like you to send her some money. Please click the link to the fundraiser. Right now, Mary-Liz is burying herself in her activism.
1: And then just continuing to organize. I'm an organizer myself and I believe in you know, calling out the government and standing up for things that I believe are right. And end of 2021, beginning of 2022, the LGBTQ community has been facing a lot of violence from the government, especially Ministry of Education and now Ministry of Health. And I found myself in a place of conviction where I can't just sit and watch things happening.
0: She founded the Be Kind Initiative, a mentorship program for high school girls in Kenya, as well as a sexual rights and human rights center focused on sex, sexuality, sexual identity and orientation, with a focus on understanding teen and LGBTQI people. Both projects are sustained through donations from well-meaning individuals.
1: And so I've been doing so much while I'm still sick. And all that has been taking a toll on me, but somehow I've got to a place where I don't know how to stop because when I f- I stop I feel like I have no purpose and so yeah in a nutshell that's 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 my life and what it looks like being a queer person in in a country that is not only accepting is not only unaccepting but also very deliberately so abusive uh towards people in the LGBTQ community and just experiencing the micro and macro way, macro and micro ways in which the abuse manifests towards queer people in general.
0: Now, Mary-Lise works as a freelancer and is pushing through all the difficulties in her part to live a well-rounded life. It feels like there's no happy ending to Mary-Lise's story. But in line with this season's theme of hope, I'm invested in creating one, or at least trying to. It's why I decided to tell her story on the podcast. I Like Girls is donating money to her fundraiser, and I'd like to encourage you to donate as well. The link is in the episode notes. Thank you. For our listeners out there struggling with their mental health, please reach out to a licensed mental health professional. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit 27productions.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Pod. Also, please rate and review us on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Rating us helps other people to discover the podcast just like you. This episode is produced and written by me, Aisha Salahuddin, and Samia Atalamutu. Audio engineering is by Mo Isu. Our editor is Ruto Lurumbi, and our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to PiggyVest for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.